0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire.
1: First pick in the 1991 NBA draft, the Charlotte Hornets select. Larry Johnson from Universal. I'm not supposed to be
2: here, man. A lot of people from where I'm from. So don't make it.
3: Charlotte,
4: we're back.
2: Welcome to another Buzz Beat, a Charlotte Hornets podcast. We are recapping another loss to the Washington Wizards. We are also live on Twitter Spaces, and it is the holiday season. So that means you need to treat yourself with lots of self-care, which means you need to subscribe <laughs> to BuzzBeat+, which has ad-free podcasts. Who, you know, nobody likes ads. Early access podcasts and an occasional exclusive pod that actually never makes it to the public feed. So... Uh, after you know shilling our great product, I want to introduce BG, who is here to help me recap. As I said, another frigid night in the Carolinas and another loss. Uh, BG, you know how are you doing, man? And and give me some uh, maybe opening thoughts.
4: Yeah, well, first off, I, I think if we're going to start dabbling in in self care, BuzzBeat Plus may need to start making like like a gin or a tequila or some, something like a bourbon of some kind here. Uh, because let's Let's do it, man. Um, strange, strange night, I thought, for the Hornets, um, in, in a lot of ways. And uh, we'll keep this one, we'll keep this one quick. We'll focus on really just this loss on a weird start time Sunday night up in the nation's capital against uh, kind of an interesting Wizards team that that I actually don't think played particularly well tonight and still still came out with a uh, with the W and the hornets fall to four and 14 on the season now um, uh, offensive woes continue to be an issue but um, Lee anywhere you would like would that uh, you'd like to start here or uh, would you like me to go ahead and just sort of jump in?
2: Uh, no, I'll, I'll lead her off. I mean, in terms of a tank watch, you know, Detroit's down four with 31 seconds left. So we, we need them to make a little last minute comeback here. <laughs> but uh, other other than that, I, I think, you know, we'll, we'll start with some general observations. I think number one, I mean, obviously everyone's going to want to talk about Kai Jones a little bit, and we should definitely do that. I think the other kind of main story from the evening is Dennis Smith Jr.'s back in the rotation. He, he's been like... I would call it nicked up. It doesn't seem like he's had any serious injuries. He's he's missed a game or two here or there, not, not too many in a row. But, like, he's back in, in the rotation, and I tweeted about this uh, and would love your thoughts too, Brian. I mean, we've gushed about him probably enough on this podcast. But, like, I just want to reiterate again that his creation, like like the point of attack defense has been awesome. And, and, and is pleasantly surprising to some degree, but I think with his kind of frame and strength and athletic ability, like that was always there as something for him to tap into. The creation and the decision-making when he creates advantage just continues to like blow me away in a positive, in a positive way. And like he's going to have to do this for a full season. Like I don't want to get ahead of myself here, but I also can't, Help but start to think about like, hmm, like Cody Martin kind of contract maybe for Dennis Smith Jr. I mean, he's been that good, like a multi-year contract guy, even though it's only like 20
4: games. Yeah, DSJ, I mean, he and Hayward, I thought were clearly their two best players tonight. And, you know, Charlotte's plus 15 in the 25 minutes with DSJ on the floor, I mean, he filled up the stat sheet, a couple assists, couple steals, couple blocks. He had a, a nasty block on Brad Beal in the first quarter. The possession yep. after he scored on top of Daniel Gafford in the drop. I, we've talked about this all season with DSJ, but he is just on both sides of the floor, he's pressure. And defensively, it's right. pressure at the point of attack. It's pressure with him as a helper. He got a, a steal off of Porzingis. On, a, on like a weak side dig tonight that he's been so good with this season. And then it's what he does getting downhill and getting to the rim. I think one of the things that's so cool about this for DSJ is like his great play this season. It's not that he's like, he hasn't shot like unsustainably. You know what I mean? It's not like, oh, you know, this is kind of a fluky 17 game, you know, however many game sample of Dennis Smith Jr. just shooting above his head on pull up threes or something like that. And no, and, and
2: just for context, he's thirty five percent on like two a game. So he's not yeah, taking a right. ton. So I, I think you're right, BJ. It's not. It's not like he's the things that he's doing that makes him effective is sustainable. It's not like he's just shooting over his head for a. a
4: exactly. Time. Yes. Exactly. Like I think the three has been. You know, again, it's like just enough to keep the defense honest. Once again, I, I thought the the empty corner pick and roll with he and Nick Richards. Was, yes. was really good like that's been I think one of the Hornets sort of like better half court and or sort of like secondary transition sort of play breakdowns this entire season Richard sets good hard screens he rolls really hard and, and obviously he presents himself to be a pretty good target and with what he can do as a putback guy that action just has a lot of potential and we saw there was one play in the second half tonight where DSJ got downhill on on that look and then sprayed out wide to someone for a catch-and-shoot three. I can't remember if it was like maybe McDaniels or uh, or Ubre, But, I mean, you can't say enough. You can't give enough praise for Dennis Smith Jr. I think it's one of the best stories in the NBA. This guy wasn't on a roster until, what, the middle of September?
2: Anyone could have had him. Any team in the entire NBA could have had him.
4: He's at the least. He's earned a contract uh for next season at the least and, and perhaps perhaps beyond that because obviously look he had a tough situation at NC State his one and done year. He had a really tough situation at, at Dallas. You know, being yeah. there just before Luca arrives and having get coached up by Rick Carlisle, who's an incredible coach, but maybe not the most fun guy to play for as a highlight chasing rookie point guard. And it is amazing, like DSJ is just completely I mean he can still like as Eric Collins would say, like he still has some yeast. Like he can he can get up and fly still. But his game is so I, I mean, I'm sure Steve Clifford loves him for a lot of reasons, in part because he's just so workmanlike too. Like he is just so exactly right. solid, play within his role, doesn't Do more than you ask him to, though he, he, you know, at times he, you know, he can or he's capable of it at least. But just really plays his role, plays hard. I don't know if you guys saw this, um, Lee or or, and Richie's here producing too uh, with us tonight. But um, you know, I had the the ballys broadcast on, and right before the game came back from halftime, you could see Cliff. And DSJ sitting next to one another on the bench talking back and forth. And it was it was a pretty cool moment, honestly, at least from, from my own vantage point. So shout out to DSJ. He he played very well tonight. Um, again, stuffed the stat sheet and just continues to do things that are are bankable, necessary skills. I don't know if he'll be back in Charlotte next season. I, I certainly hope that he will, but he is gonna be on. You know, one of the 30 NBA teams was some type of guaranteed contract for him next season. And, and again, that is one of the coolest success stories in the NBA, even in the middle of a lost season for the Hornets.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data
3: you won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: I mean, at this point, like, again, we're, you know, we're still early in the season, but he does look like a, Kind of top end backup. I mean, that's that's what he looks like yes, right now. Yes, yes, Yeah. The other thing, the other thing, I'll say that dovetails with with uh, Dennis Smith Jr. But gets can get us into another. Uh, I think you had a quick aside, and then and then we'll get into Kai Jones. But Brian uh, DSJ's back healthy, which means we don't see Teo Maladon or James Booknight tonight. DMP coach decision for both of those guys. Um, you, you you know, it, it's hard it's hard to analyze what Clifford was thinking in terms of like, if he did go with one or the other, would he have gone with Booknight or Maladone? It's been Maladone recently, and I know you had something you wanted to get in on Booknight.
4: Yeah, just real quickly, look, Lee, you, Richie, and I talked a lot about James Booknight on the pod that we recorded over the weekend where we sort of took a 30,000-foot view of the team and, and sort of handled some bigger you know, uh, team-building questions and, you know, I, I think I kind of rambled on for a while that episode about my concerns with book night. Um, I, I laid them out pretty bare. But one of the things I did want to circle back on was we I threw it out at one point during that episode. And, and you brought it up as well, suggesting a little bit of like we both talked about the possibility of him going to Greensboro. And I sort of brought that up as a suggestion to say. I don't know what happens next other than I'm I'm guessing this has to happen at some point in time. And then a few minutes later, you mentioned that your concern that he might not, you know, even if he goes down on assignment, that he may not that he may struggle down there, that he may not light it up in the way that McGowan's is doing currently. And um, I actually think that's a really good point. And I think that's maybe one of the reasons why we may not see him go down there. Because what happens if you send James – I was thinking about this uh, earlier today. What happens if you send James Booknight to Greensboro and it doesn't play well? Like if he doesn't – if that goes poorly, I I don't know. Like I don't know where you go. I don't know the next steps from there um, at all. And maybe that's beside the point. And if you're just trying to find a way to get him reps and hopefully get him some confidence, maybe that's the way to do it. But it it just – it pops into my mind listening back to that episode of like I, I wonder if one of the reasons why they may be reluctant to do this is is because I, I just don't if he goes down there and he plays bad or mediocre or even just decent. Because for someone like him, second year former lottery pick, the expectation would be you go to the G League and you dominate. You know, you like you put up numbers, Absolutely. you get to every spot you want. You know, the defense is what it is. But offensively, you should look you should look legit. And um, I don't know. Maybe they're just worried about what that might look like and what the confidence is. So, anyways, I, I'll digress there. But that was just something that popped into my mind. I'll be curious to see if he does make a G League stint. And I guess now, if, you know, Gordon Hayward multiple times tonight grabbing at, uh, was it the right shoulder tonight? Left shoulder? Left shoulder. Right. Left shoulder. And, um, yeah,
2: which which was hurt. You know, he's had he's had that. I mean, it, you yeah, know, it's the it's the kind of reoccurring, at least yeah. as far as I know. Um, so
4: it, early in the fourth quarter, Gordon Hayward bumped into Jordan Goodwin, who's, who's actually playing doing playing some good basketball for Washington as like a backup guard off the bench for them, and um, you know it looked like you know he, he leaves the game immediately. Hornets have to call a timeout. It's right after the Kai Jones dunk of uh, you know in transition. And it looks like you're. I mean, I'm sure everyone watching the game, who's you know follows the Hornets or covers the Hornets or whatever, was thinking, "Well, who knows when we'll see this guy again?" Totally. Sure enough, I thought he was done. Three, four minutes later, Gordon Hayward comes out of the locker room. He gets inserted back into the game, and then with what you know, five to ten seconds left in the game tonight, um, you could see him once again after he after like an after timeout play where Hayward got the ball off the sideline inbounds, faked the handoff, got downhill, and he dunked the basketball. And then afterwards, you see him once again grabbing at the left shoulder. And um, so who knows? I mean, uh, you can't – the Hornets are off for a couple of days, and maybe it's not seriously hurt. But it's now multiple times this season that Hayward has had issues with the shoulder. And uh, so who knows, maybe this will lead to James Booknight, uh, you know, sort of like floating back into the rotation. But pretty bleak uh, for the Hornets in terms of uh, the Hayward situation.
2: Very bleak. Um, Let's let's pivot to a bright spot tonight. Something that uh, Hornets fans probably want to talk about. I, I know there's been a lot of clamoring. Uh, and e- even at times on this podcast o- about getting Kai Jones some opportunities. And I think uh, it's interesting in a couple ways. I mean, it's just interesting that he's out there because now we can actually start to, you know, evaluate and analyze and, and and try to, you know, see the way he moves on the basketball court and see if we think he can be a useful part of this rotation. It's also interesting, and I know Richie brought it up uh, in the first game, that that Jones actually – crack the rotation is he is playing at the floor you know he he's playing at the four. he's always out there with either Richards or Plumlee I don't believe we've seen a PJ Washington Kai Jones front court if we have it's been very very limited very medium.
4: the Orlando briefly? game Orlando okay. the, the Orlando win very briefly they went to it in that game right
2: so I think a couple things that that I've noticed with Kai Jones so far, and then I'll kick it to you BG to either expound on or make your own points. Um, I do really like, and I know this is more of like a perception feel thing and, you know, certainly I'm not there. It's an outside perspective, but it does feel like he's got kind of a like optimistic approach. It, It feels like he is like excited to be getting an opportunity Rather than like sort of sulking and being like, oh, I should have been out here the whole time, like he seems genuinely like amped up that he's finally in the rotation just from seeing him the way he comes off the court and how hard he plays. His motor and energy and bounciness and athleticism was always kind of his calling card. My whole thing with Kai Jones in the draft process was, you know, he was billed as this super high ceiling, super low floor prospect. And I always kind of said, he had a higher floor than people realized because of those, like to, to steal a BG phrase, those bankable tools that he had. Now, will we will we ever see some of the kind of like uh, dribble creation pull-up shooting that we saw in in, in flashes at Texas? Maybe not, but um, I, I think he's looked pretty interesting. Uh, the one thing that's interesting about him playing at the floor primarily is – You know, how's that work from a spacing standpoint? It's too small of a sample size to kind of like garner any like real offensive statistics with him at the four. But if this becomes a thing and Kai Jones is even limited in the rotation over the next like 10 to 15 games, I'll be really interested to see like what the Hornets offense of rating looks like with him on the floor, given that you're obviously like down one more shooter when he's in the game.
4: Yeah, just just bouncing right off those points. Um, I, I agree with pretty much everything you said there. Uh I pointed this out on the last pod. You know, he really is getting the JT Thor minutes, you know, at the at the at sort of like the deep, deep backup Great floor, great point. Right towards like right at the back end of the rotation. Um and it should just go it should just go up from there. Um, even if there are some bad nights. Uh tonight wasn't a bad night. I think tonight was pretty positive. In part because he came in and just did some good stuff, had a put back two, pretty strong finish Um, in the second quarter. Came in right around –
2: Yeah, over top of Porzingis, by the way. Yeah, right around
4: the 740 mark. And Porzingis, he blocked a bunch of shots tonight. But a couple minutes later, Kai had a nice switch um, onto Kristaps Porzingis and helped get a stop there um, or a pass out where he and Nick Richards uh, switched on the action. Um, possession after that was the uh, the put back two then the the really nice uh steal and transition dunk halfway through the fourth quarter and i also thought that was insane that was
2: insane (laughs) it
4: it was nuts and like look he's not that's not the first time that kai has had a like garbage time runaway just absurd dunk he had one against um the bucks last year where he caught an alley-oop from book night that he had just no business catching up to and and, and also finishing with a dunk and he is I mean he is a special athlete like there's 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 no denying that he really is the the, the vertical uh, uh, explosion that he has but the flexibility the way he's able to get out and run like he's not he's not like an upright runner you know like he he can really bend and and, and get to weird angles and again all based off of that his length and that incredible uh, vertical explosion that he has as a leaper, but had a nice one-on-one defensive play against Denny at uh later in the fourth quarter too. So it's just eight minutes. Um, but I thought he, I thought he had like a decent, a decent game tonight. I do want to touch on, you mentioned, you were sort of touching on this a little bit Lee w- with, um, you know, with him playing the four and possibly some spacing concerns. And that's what it comes down to for Kai right now, at least the way he's being used currently, which is what's his role in the half court. If he's playing with another center on the floor, um, crash the glass, right? Like that's the most obvious one. If he can't get out in transition, but that's one thing. Once this gets into a half court possession, um, crash the glass. He got one of his two buckets off that. You'd love to see him get some dives. Like, You'd really, really like to see him get some screen and rolls. But, you know, it's tough because the Hornets have some sets they run to get the four man screening and rolling downhill with a center on the court. Usually that involves Plumlee or Richards setting an exit screen or a pin in screen along the baseline. And PJ is the one screening and diving on those plays. And they can be successful. Like it, it, PJ's been pretty good on some of those looks this year. But, I don't know if you can trust Kai quite as much on those, especially if, if it's going to require maybe some short role playmaking and decision making. Like I'd like to see him get those reps, I suppose. But PJ is obviously much more advanced in terms of that kind of uh, you know in the pocket playmaking there on on the role. But uh, I'd love to see him get some more some more dives, and, and I really think it would be advantageous for them to get to pj and kai at the four or five in some combination and let pj open the floor let him guard fives let those guys switch um, and get them playing off of one another so I, I think i actually think they could have gone to that tonight to be totally honest with you because I, I just thought i know porzingis didn't have a good shooting night but i thought his ability to space and to pick and pop against Charlotte's true centers, got the Hornets into rotation, and then the Wizards did a, a, not a, necessarily a great job, but a good enough job sort of like playing off of that advantage. And I, I thought maybe it would have been nice if if Charlotte could have maybe closed some of those spaces with a little more switchy personnel tonight. But I digress. Good night, you know, in an eight-minute run for, for Kai, and let's just see more of it.
2: Yeah, and I, and I thought um, – I, I think great point, BG, about um, – you know, obviously, yes, it, those those kind of deep rotation back up four minutes, you know, Clifford Clifford is going with Kai instead of Thor now. And I think that's I think that's a pretty reasonable decision. I mean, you know, I've certainly defended Thor at times on Twitter. He's still so incredibly young and has had moments, um, but he also hasn't shot the ball well this season. And if if Thor isn't providing any spacing then I think you might as well go with Kai in that spot because of the other things he brings, um, w- which I-, I think he's kind of more proficient at other places on the floor than JT Thor, um, besides shooting and maybe a little bit of defensive versatility. Like Thor does show the the ability to guard up and down the lineup a little bit at times, but um, I-, I don't I don't necessarily want to to never see any Thor again. But I think it's a pretty reasonable decision to try Kai at this point. In, in that kind of like like you said six to ten minute uh you know deep deep four backup um I, you know i don't have any like burning thoughts here Brian if you've got anything left that you really want to hit on before i think we have a little uh a little thanksgiving segment to close things out
4: yeah no i was just gonna say real quickly um after tonight's game uh Charlotte mentioned at the top but they dropped down to four and 14. Uh, the Pistons ended up losing, so they're three and 15. One is. game back of the Hornets. Um, looking, scanning elsewhere, Rockets three and thirteen. Lakers have somehow only played fourteen games this season. Lakers are four and ten, but Los Angeles is in action. Um, they're about to tip off in a few minutes against uh, San Antonio. So, just uh, you know, look with Gordon Hayward going on the mend. Who knows how long Lamelo Ball is going to be out? Um, you know, up and down play from some of the other young guys, uh, specifically book night, not looking so great. Um, you know, again, it just sort of reaffirms everything that you Richie and I touched on on the last episode or that you Richie Spencer and I touched on a couple episodes ago. Like it's, it's just, it's obvious what has to happen. To this team, like they, they've, they've got to lean into it. So, um, it, it really is time to be thinking about, um, what the rest of the season is going to look like in terms of what's the strategy and how prepared are you going to be um, for for getting this thing ready uh, for hopefully uh, you know top three draft picks. So, anyways, uh, last thoughts that I had there, and just real quickly, t- just a weirdly bad night for Rozier and PJ tonight. I-, I thought PJ, like obviously he didn't shoot the ball well, but he had some really really poor, like, uh, dribbling. He got stolen, the ball stolen from a couple times, and more surprisingly, like, he got beaten one-on-one by Kuzma and Atvia a few times yeah, as well. then he so, blew
2: by him for and, a dunk. And yeah. that was on a
4: pretty, like, that play was interesting, too, just because they, like, Washington had Beal set an inverted pin down for Porzingis, which they do a lot. It tied up the weak side help. But then, I mean, if that's the case, then it's on PJ to, to contain the Stay ball. He, he yeah. did a, 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 a poor job there. So... Um, Those are all the thoughts I had on tonight's game. I think we can transition over here to some uh, holiday chatter.
1: Yeah, with uh, this being the last episode of the week, or maybe the last episode prior to Thanksgiving, definitely. I want to do a fun segment. I think we've done a couple of these before with Thanksgiving. And we've all heard of start, bench, cut when it comes to certain things. Now, I had a hard time just choosing three dishes on Thanksgiving. So I'm choosing four. You need to start one bench two and then one completely gets cut so here they are mac and cheese stuffing turkey and then pie and you, you can choose your favorite pie if you want to put it within your lineup i guess if you're kicking it to the curb maybe you don't need to make that decision so again mac and cheese stuffing wow. turkey pie start bench two and then cut
4: Lee, i I can I can jump in first here if you if you need a little bit of time.
2: Yeah, I might need a second. Go ahead, BJ. <laughs> okay. Oh, <no.
4: laughs> this, this for me was was relatively easy, though I, I did I do feel a, a little tinge of pain. Uh tinge <laughs> of pain here. Start uh, stuffing. It's my favorite it's my favorite thing. Or dressing, you know, however you want to describe it. I think it's amazing. And I think in terms of it's like the leftover ability of it is incredible. Bench, I'm going mac and cheese and pie, and then I'm cutting turkey.
1: Wow! Get, get
4: that stupid bird <laughs> out of here! This flightless, dumb flightless. bird, get it out of here. So I mean, I, I like turkey, but not as much as these other things. So I'm, uh, I'm making which,
1: it hard. Which, what is your favorite pie? What's your favorite pie?
4: I think pumpkin honestly but my, my mom makes like a pretty good pumpkin pie that I know some people wouldn't like but I think it's kind of a cool take on it it's a it's like a crustless pie and I mean maybe again I think some people would look at that as like you know sacrilegious but but it, it it's really good man so I'll say I'll say pumpkin pie but apple pie is uh, awesome so is chocolate chess pie Um, Shout out to Angus barn in Raleigh uh, undefeated with their chocolate chest pies.
2: Feel free to sponsor
4: our pod. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: So, so the reason I was grimacing is because like these four items are like my core, like the only other thing, I mean like, yes, I love, I love green bean. I love, I love some casseroles. I love, I love mashed potatoes, but like, the, like if I had to go bare bones Thanksgiving dinner, like these would be my four items. So it's tough yep. for me. I'm gonna say start stuffing. I actually agree with that, BG. Like it's probably my favorite thing. It just makes the entire meal for me. I'm gonna bench. Oh, I'm gonna bench. Oh man, I'm gonna bench pie and turkey. And cutting mac and cheese just rips me to the heart. It just it rips me <laughs> Lee, to the heart.
1: When I, when I was doing this exercise, that's exactly the route that I would take. I, I think because mac and cheese, some people don't even consider it like a Thanksgiving like side dish. Yeah. So some people don't even consider yeah. that with their thing. Which you know there have been years that I haven't had it. Yeah, but yeah. Um, you can almost you know, have mac and cheese whenever. So that's probably why I would cut mac and cheese as well.
2: It's a good call. Like I get it enough where like, like if I'm at a barbecue restaurant, like I'm getting some mac and cheese, you know, so I'll, I'll get mac and cheese enough throughout the year. I'm, it's weird. Cause I'm not like a massive Turkey guy on any other day, but I do love, and maybe it's cause my dad makes like world famous Turkey, but
4: yeah, yeah, no, I am. uh I'm renouncing the bird rights for Turkey. Uh, I'm, cutting, <laughs> I'm, I'm cutting it. Uh, and by the way, I've got both mashed potatoes and sweet potato casserole. They're on the bench in street clothes right now. I guess in this hypothetical, like there, there were Gordon Hayward is about to be, which is just uh, not, you know injured and not really in the conversation.
1: We'll, we'll go ahead and wrap here. We appreciate everyone joining us. The Hornets do have two upcoming games this week: Wednesday uh, against Philadelphia, Friday against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Both of those games are at home. We hope you guys enjoyed the episode. We hope you guys enjoy your Thanksgiving time with the family, and we will talk to you guys soon.